Hi, my name's Olivia, and you're listening to the first episode of Don't Bottle That Shit. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking about my experience with OCD and just mental health in general. I'm going to be interviewing friends and people that have had uh, problems with their mental health, talking about how their mental health disorders or problems manifest for them and what they use to help them. And I'm just hoping that this podcast is helpful for other people that may struggle with the same things. And hopefully it makes people feel not as alone. Because I know when I first got diagnosed with OCD, I felt really strange and alone because people don't talk about it. So I guess I'll start by just like saying what OCD actually is. It's a debilitating disorder that it's a bit like being superstitious, um, but it's kind of like superstition on steroids. So when you're younger, you'll think, okay, if I walk over like cracks in the pavement, my mum will die. And people say that to you. Um, but this kind of manifests as that all the time. So for example, I get intrusive thoughts, probably like six a minute when I'm having a bad day or like if I'm doing a really hard task, I'll get way more than that. Probably get like three and 10 seconds or something if I'm a task that really triggers me. And my intrusive thoughts range from like, your mom's gonna die, you're gonna become a serial killer. Like they're just absolutely ridiculous. It's basically an overprotective voice in your head. It's in your own voice, but it's an overprotective thing in your head that basically wants you to take responsibility for every single thing around you in life so if one of my friends was in hospital or if one of my friends had like hurt themselves i'd be like oh you have to flick that light switch back on because if you don't then they're gonna hurt that ankle even more for example or they're gonna die or it's just very extreme and people have this preconception of ocd because it's kind of used as an adjective like oh yeah i'm really ocd my pens have to all be in line when i was at school teachers would literally say to me oh for the ocd ones of you out there you can have more paper if you have to start again because you can't have scribbles on the paper or whatever it's just such a massive misconception and it used to really really irritate me it still does obviously but especially when i was having breakdowns daily about my ocd and feeling really weird and abnormal the fact that no one knew what it was made it way way worse and i'm sure that's the case for a lot of you guys so now i'm just going to discuss my journey with mental health so since i was a child i've had like quite a lot of anxiety um i used to have a lot of like tantrums when i was little <laughs> i think my parents thought we've literally got a devil child like and i wouldn't blame them for thinking that to be honest but now like looking back at a lot of them they were probably more like panic attacks when i was younger obviously you can't tell because some kids just are little shits like sometimes you're like oh god what is this kid doing but um i was very very young when i started experiencing really bad anxiety i think it was around the time that maddie mccann got kidnapped I was really, really anxious about something happening to me, like getting kidnapped, getting taken away from my family. That was like the one biggest fear I had. Anyone in my family dying or um, them like abandoning me. When, when my mum would take us on the school run, she'd have to walk my brother into the building, which is literally all in my sight. <laughs> and it's like 10 seconds away from the car. And I used to just sit there and think, she's coming back, she's coming back, she's coming back. Like, cause I, would, I just had this, such a preconceived like anxiety about like, oh my God, what if I get abandoned? What if this happens? It was no fault of my parents whatsoever. They did nothing to make me think this. I, just, I think I had, from this Maddie McCann thing, I think my brain had been opened to a whole new realm of possibilities of danger. And I was just like, oh God, what if um, my mum gets kidnapped and then I'm just here by myself? Like, I may as well start my life as an orphan. Like, there's quite a lot of memes about it online now. And I'm just like, that's literally how my OCD started. <laughs> um, I thought it was normal though, because no one talks about this when you're younger, obviously. And then when I was about, I think I was like eight, year, year four, my teacher once was like, oh, Olivia, why aren't you listening? When I was like looking at her and I just got really embarrassed. And I think this whole sense of humiliation, like massively triggered sort of like social anxiety thing in me where I felt like everyone was looking at me. I just didn't want them to look at me. Like I've just felt so embarrassed. And I think 
this sense of humiliation for a child is really like a pivotal moment. You start being conscious about your social surroundings. And I sort of developed this mild form of OCD at the time. I used to call myself like a fair freak <laughs> of like, I have to touch things like twice. I had to be balanced. Like if I touch something on my left hand, I had to touch it on my right. And I used to think like, oh, this is so weird. Why am I like this? I'm sure that everyone just has to do this. And um, like, I thought it was weird, but simultaneously I thought that everyone had, had these quirks that they had to do. And then it sort of developed into, I think it's called phagophobia. I don't know if I'm saying it right, which is like the fear of swallowing in case you choke. And I suddenly like stopped eating a lot because I just saw, I was so scared that I was going to choke at everything I ate. One of my friends with OCD said she had this when she was like 11 as well. She actively avoided food groups. And I remember one time I was at primary school and everyone was having chips for lunch. And the, um, the headmistress came over because it was a really small school and was like, oh, Olivia, why aren't you eating your chips? And I was like, oh, I just don't like them. But it wasn't that I don't like them. It was that I was just scared of choking on them because they're really starchy, aren't they? And that's just such a good example of how OCD manifests in it makes you think of like the worst possible scenario in every single thing. Like you'll be drinking water and you'll be like, okay, if I don't sip twice more, someone's going to die. It's just this over-responsibility thing in your head that you feel like you have to be responsible for everyone around you. And I used to really hate it. But my therapist said to me like, oh, you'd be amazing when humans hadn't evolved yet. You'd be seeing all these threats. You'd be the reason that the pack would survive, which now I kind of think of it like that. Like I think, yeah, at least I can like see these threats. Like with the pandemic, I think we were all way more prepared. Whoever had OCD before, I think we were way more prepared to deal with like the germs and stuff. Like people have now adopted habits that I used to do anyway. But that's another misconception is like the whole germ thing that everyone's really scared of germs. Like I've got friends that have OCD and they're not scared of germs at all. Like if people look at my room, they're literally like, what the hell? Oh, you have OCD and I'm like yeah it's not it's not that I think I, I got over my fear of like choking I literally have no idea how I think I just suddenly started feeling socially more comfortable and then like it just came with that I still had like a massive fear of being abandoned though I remember even at secondary school like my first my first interview with my headmistress at secondary school I was like do you have a drop off here because I was so scared of having to walk by myself and like getting kidnapped or something <laughs> it's so it's so ridiculous but like it's just like a real fear for people with OCD but obviously didn't voice this to any of my friends because I was scared that they would think that I was like really weird. And then in year eight, we studied homelessness. There's another like weird example of how my OCD manifested when I was younger. And I just convinced myself that if I do, didn't do certain behaviors, I would like sleepwalk out of the house and I would just like make myself get abandoned. I don't know, it's so funny and a bit strange that these thoughts are the way that my anxiety manifested. Because for a lot of people, like anxiety is just, I'm really scared of going into this social situation that I had that as well, which I'll come on to in a minute. But I just remember thinking, this isn't anxiety. This is just like my brain being weird. But obviously OCD is a form of anxiety disorder. So I was scared of sleepwalking and becoming homeless. And I was scared that if someone upset me, I'd be like, okay, that's it. I'm going to go be homeless now. <laughs> it's like this belief that I can't cope. Like that's how my OCD manifests. It's this I can't cope belief. So whatever happens, I'm not going to be able to cope. And I think that's the same for a lot of people with OCD. If I tap this and someone dies, like I won't be able to cope because I'll have this massive sense of guilt on me when actually the two events aren't correlated at all, but your brain just links them up. And because you feel the emotion, you feel the stress, uh, it kind of like justifies the intrusive thought because your brain is wired to think that, okay, well, I feel like this, so that must be true then. And then I started becoming really, really socially anxious. I'd say in like year nine, maybe year eight at school, I heard that this girl was calling me fat all the time. And I don't know if it was true or not, but that's what I heard from my end through a friend. I just used to be so scared of going into school, of literally being in any social situation because I was scared of anyone like around me looking at my body and judging me. And then that like really spiraled into a really 
bad case of social anxiety not even just to do with my weight after that i started having like really bad panic attacks i think it's what's classified as mild panic disorder in that i used to be scared to leave the house in case i had panic attack sometimes i just wouldn't leave the house because i was so scared of having a panic attack when i was out it's like when my panic attacks first first started because um because it's such a like weird feeling when you when they first start you think oh my god what's happening i'm literally gonna die i'm gonna die i'm gonna die and you just feel like you need to be at home like where you're safe with people that can calm you down yeah i was so scared of having a panic attack i wouldn't even be able to go into um my school had prayers in the morning and um it was like this massive hall of 200 300 people i'm not sure um how many people were in the school i was really scared to go into this room because the doors were shut and there were teachers sitting at the ends of the rows and at the back where the doors were and i felt really really claustrophobic and it became this whole this whole fear of having a panic attack then like stemmed into like this massive agoraphobia of mine that like i hate being trapped airplanes are quite a struggle for me i sort of overcame it when i went traveling but there used to be a massive struggle for me because you can't get off this vehicle i used to get anxious about when i was driving i used to be like oh when i'm able to drive i'm gonna start having panic attacks when i'm in the car and stuck in traffic which obviously i didn't but um it's like one of my ocd thoughts because obviously at any slight sign of threat ocd is like you can't cope prepare yourself for the worst <laughs> it's like it's like that spongebob meme where he like comes in the room and like everything's on fire i was about 14 i'd say when i started seeking help for my anxiety and my ocd it's weird to say them apart because ocd is an anxiety disorder but then i obviously also have like different anxiety disorders kind of like encompassed in it but not like clinical ones i just used to have clinical anxiety and clinical ocd and when i started tackling my social anxiety my therapist did this really good technique and he said like okay so what's going to the gym for you now and i said well it's like a seven like out of ten and he was like oh um okay so what's like a one or two out of ten and i was like i don't know like going on a walk around the block by myself so he was like okay start with that then this week go on a walk around the block by yourself and then next week you'll push on to something that's like three or four out of ten like going to the shops by yourself to buy something and then ultimately you'll be going to the gym by yourself and he was like what's what would be like a number 10 for you and i was like i don't know getting a train to london by myself or something i was just really anxious about that and this is when all my friends started doing things like that and i would just get so anxious about it and he was like okay well in a few weeks that's what you're gonna do and i was like oh okay <laughs> but it's about that like building up really slowly it's about like a sustainable effort to overcome or manage your anxiety I went to therapy with sort of like the idea that it would like get rid of it, like get it out of my brain. I knew that a lot of my friends at secondary school had anxiety disorders as well. And the only reason I like kind of mentioned to my mum that I think I have OCD and that I want to see a therapist was kind of because my friends were getting help and they were seeing improvements in their lives. And I was like, okay, well, it doesn't have to be like this. I don't have to live like this because I'd come home every day from school and I would be, I hate saying this because it's such a stereotypical OCD behavior, but I would be washing my hands and I'd have to wash my hands like at least six times. And if I had like a thought about anyone dying between them, I'd have to start the cycle all over again. It was like a really long ritual. After I did that, I would feel like I'd wasted so much time because there's this whole guilt thing with OCD. Like, oh my God, I've wasted so much time. Like, because our society is so obsessed with being productive every single moment of the day. I would just sit in my room and I'd cry for like an hour and ultimately culminated in my hands being like snake skin. If I like flexed my hand, all of the skin would move up and I couldn't bend it, it was all split and cracked. And it was because of my OCD and it was kind of that physical aspect that made me think, oh shit, like I need to get help. This is affecting like my physical health now as well as my mental well-being. like I need to get help. We sort of worked on my social anxiety at the start. And then as I built that up, I then begun to build up this ability to look for my 
long-term happiness rather than short-term happiness with OCD. And my therapist explained to me how my brain was working with the like threat detector, overactive threat detector and stuff. There's a really good book actually that my therapist told me to get and I read it and it used to be such a point of comfort for me. I still have it. The one that I got when I was 14, I take it everywhere. I went traveling with it, (laughs) took it to like three continents with me. It's called The Happiness Trap and it's by Russ Harris. And I'd 100% recommend it to anyone struggling with anxiety, OCD, any sort of anxiety disorder, or even like depression or like things like that. I, it was such a point of comfort. It really helped me massively because it would recap all of my therapy sessions basically, but just like really quickly, if I was having a panic attack, I could look at it and I'd calm down and, and it teaches you to like be okay with your feelings. You don't have to get rid of your bad feelings. Not even bad, they're just uncomfortable because as a society, we massively judge our emotions and we're like, oh, okay, well, I feel bad. like. I feel really bad now. I've got to get rid of this when it's actually like, okay, I feel uncomfortable, but this isn't bad in and of itself. And once you stop being afraid of anxiety and sadness and stuff, your whole perspective to your anxiety disorder changes. And I remember that like really pivotal moment for me was when my um my therapist got me to breathe really, really quickly in the session, like pant. And he was trying to like induce a panic attack. And he said that to me and I sort of shit myself. I was like, oh my God, oh, I don't want to have a panic attack. Um, And he made me like have all the physical symptoms of one, but I was really calm because he was there. And like, I knew that I was in a safe environment to have one in. I just remember realizing that if you're not scared of the feeling of anxiety, then it's not gonna manifest in this horrible, horrible panic attack. I mean, obviously sometimes I still do have panic attacks. I mean, I live with an anxiety disorder. Like it kind of comes hand in hand, doesn't it? That was a massive pivotal moment for me that I stopped being scared to go to places. When I had a panic attack there, I realized there's literally no difference. If I have a panic attack when I'm out somewhere with my friends, I'm still the one that's helping myself through it. I don't need my friends to help me through it. I don't need my family to help me through it because fundamentally it's in my brain. Fundamentally, I'm the one that's helping myself through it. And I'm alone either way, even if I'm surrounded by people that are like trying to help my panic attack, it's still me alone that's gonna have to get myself out of that panicked state. And um, once I realized that I started like, I let go a bit of my social anxiety, I think, and it was like a massive turning point. But my OCD was still quite bad. But then after the social anxiety side sort of calmed down a bit, me and my therapist really focused on my OCD and the prioritization of long-term happiness over short-term happiness and it's a bit like binge just binge eating thing like if you're binging you're prioritizing short-term happiness not even happiness short-term like relief over long-term gain i always kind of compare it to eating disorders because it's really similar in the way it manifests in that you're you'll do these behaviors to get rid of your stress and like people with eating disorders will reduce food or like binge to reduce their stress and it's the behavior that like releases the stress for you but it's actually fundamentally really really bad for you and yeah i always think that they're like there's a massive similarity between the two of them my ocd sort of went away for a bit once i learned to manage it then nothing even really triggered it for a few years but then (laughs) um when i got to a level time i was 17 it was sort of the december that it really started coming up again and i massively noticed it was coming back and um I was engaging in my behaviours because I just, I didn't know how not to. Like I've forgotten all of my techniques that I've been taught in therapy because it was this newfound, like massive, massive sense of anxiety. Like it was more than what my OCD would 
manifesting before the, the anxiety i was really scared to pass my driving test i was scared that i would i would drive myself into a tree like i'd go mental and drive myself into a tree it's this fundamental having no belief in yourself like this whole fundamental belief in your body that like you can't cope with anything i used to think i wouldn't be able to drive because what if my ocd just took over and i was reversing and doing really dangerous things in the car which obviously i've never done because when it comes down to it these things don't happen it's just your brain trying to like prepare you for like threats but yeah i had a massive mental breakdown when i was 18 the week of my 18th birthday actually like i didn't eat a single thing um my therapist had to like ring me up and like made me eat when i was on the phone with him it wasn't anything to do with like an eating disorder or anything like that my ocd had got so bad that i'd stopped eating because i was scared that people were going to die if i eat certain foods and as soon as you start cutting out certain foods you start cutting out other ones because you think oh okay well if i can't eat that then i can't eat that either because once you give in to your ocd compulsion and your intrusive thought you're teaching your brain that it's a rational possibility that that could happen and um i didn't really realize what i was doing at the time i remember like thinking i'm really fucked after this driving test like i'm i'm literally already so anxious and i know this isn't going to pass after this driving test and i think fundamentally the reason that i was having such a problem then was because all of these changes were happening in my life when you're 17 18 you're faced with so many problems that you'd never have to consider before like oh what university am i going to go to what um, if am I going to go to university? What course am I going to study? And you feel like everyone else knows what they're doing. Like a lot of people at my school would be like, you haven't applied to your UCAS? What are you doing? Like, I remember this one girl, she'd applied five units. It was like, oh my God, you've not got your UCAS in? And it was like October. And I was like, no, I've not got my UCAS in. I was like stressing about it. I remember I used to cry about my personal statement. And my brother heard me once and he knocked on my door and he was like, Liv, what the hell? Like your personal statement is like nothing. Like you can redo it like because i was gonna have a gap year anyway he was like why are you so anxious about this like you're gonna probably redo it anyway and i think it really helped having an older brother that had been through the same academic stuff before and i honestly i think i'd be even worse if i didn't have an older sibling that had been through it because i'd always be confronted with this next big step but with my a levels i didn't really have that i always saw them as this ultimately important thing because i knew i wanted to go to uni at leeds and i knew that if i didn't get into uni at leeds like i did not have a backup choice because I had my heart set on it. I didn't believe that I'd be happy anywhere else. Luckily, I got in. Um, but I was like, I don't know what course I want to do. And that stressed me out for ages because everyone at school had their shit together. I was sitting my drama A-level, the um, practical one, the week of my driving test as well. So it was all a bit go, go, go. And I was really highly anxious that week, as you can expect. And my therapist said to me when I first went back to him in January, I thought, oh my God, he's going to be so disappointed in me. I've just done a 180 and relapsed. I'm such a bad person. First of all, you're not a bad person if you relapse. You've got a mental health disorder. That does not make you a bad person. You wouldn't see someone that's had glandular fever and be like, oh my God, you've got glandular fever again. You're such a bad person. It's just so ridiculous that that thought even comes to our heads. And he, he actually compared OCD to glandular fever. He said, I'm not surprised you're back here. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> what's going on here? And he was like, loads of my patients that I saw when they were 13, 14, 15, have all emailed me this week being like um i'm really stressed can i see you again please and because ocd is like glandular fever in that it will come back up when you're stressed so people that have had glandular fever before tend to get it like again when run down or stressed and that made me feel a lot better about it i was like okay it's normal that i'm feeling like this but yeah this this breakdown was like i'm gonna go out on a whim and say it was the worst time of my life <laughs> um i i went on antidepressants so like the week of my 18th birthday they massively helped me they made me worse at first and i know that some of you asked 
on my Instagram, um, what medication are you on? Like, does it help you? Um, which I understand that like people want to know and people want to like try it, like if, if it helps me, but I feel like I have a bit of a social responsibility not to say because I think you should talk to your doctor about they'll know best what's gonna help you. It just so happened that the first one that I had worked for me. Uh, like it made me severely more depressed at, at first. But once you get past those like two days, the pharmacist said for two days, you're gonna feel like absolute shit. And I was like, great. <laughs> I'm taking them to feel better, but great. <laughs> and then after those two days, it became easier. So what the what the medication does for me, I'm still on it now. And I've been on it ever since. Like I've not ever come off it. It just like numbs the emotional response to your intrusive thoughts. So obviously I can't concentrate on like writing an essay about analyze a poem if I'm constantly anxious when I'm writing that someone's gonna die like I'd have to write things and scribble them out because oh my god someone might die if I write that and like particular words would set me off and I'd um I'd have to scribble them out and even my exam I remember like not writing the ends of words until the very last minute so I was like okay right go back and write them all in now um it was like a way of for me not to engage in my behaviors throughout the exam I now have extra time and stuff at uni which is so helpful um because if it means that if I do do one of my behaviours, I'm not freaking out like, oh my god, I'm going to run out of time. You can't concentrate to your best ability if you have OCD. People think, obviously, the misconception, they think like, oh, you just need to be neat. What the hell? Like, why would you get extra time for that? And I'm like, no, that's not it. Like, um, it's like rituals and behaviours and and anxiety that manifests in very different ways to other anxiety disorders. Um, yeah, so these antidepressants really, really helped me concentrate. Um, because my brain wasn't constantly distracted by the prospect of someone dying at me writing something on the, on paper. And now they just, they just make life easier for me. Like they make me not engage in my behaviors as much because if the emotional response is numbed, you don't have that same justification of the thought of the intrusive thought that I mentioned earlier, how if you've got an emotional response to an intrusive thought, you'll think, oh God, okay, well, I'm feeling anxious at that. So this must be a thing that's gonna happen that kind of gets cut out when you when your emotional response is sort of numbed um so yeah i'd 100 percent recommend medication um if you're like in therapy and if your therapist is like recommending it um i was really really reluctant to go on it i thought it meant like i was a failure or whatever spoiler alert it doesn't <laughs> um and it's like one of the things that really helped me get out of my breakdown like if i didn't have that medication i don't know how i would have got better really because it was a sort of time where I needed chemicals to intervene at that point. And after that, I was able to listen to my therapist more because I wasn't stressed the whole time about someone dying if I didn't breathe in again, like a different way or something. That's the thing about OCD is that it makes you not able to function like a normal person would, not normal, but someone that doesn't have a cognitive disorder. If you're listening to people, you'll, you'll be listening to them, but also to your thoughts at the same time. It just makes you process information not as well and not as quickly after my a-levels i got into a better headspace throughout my a-levels when they were actually happening and then afterwards as well but i started seeing this boy that was really um emotionally abusive he would upset me or like stand me up at places and just be like why are you even upset like what the hell like why are you upset um and it's like gaslighting and this is like kind of like the last part of my my mental health experiences that i want to talk about on this podcast episode is that if you have OCD or anxiety or like depression or any any mental health disorder really watch out for verbal emotionally abuse or like verbal abuse um because you don't 
you don't register it because you always talk to yourself in that way. When it's coming from other people, you don't think of it as much. People who are gaslighting you can disguise it really easily. It's now led to a lot of self-doubt in me because we I already doubted myself prior to that. But then when you're getting someone else say it to you, you think, oh, wait, shit, maybe I am a bad person. Maybe I am crazy. I think people with mental health disorders are way more vulnerable to sort of like emotional predators. And I had therapy recently. He was like, why do you automatically assume when someone criticizes you? It could be like, I don't really like that top. And I'd be like, fuck, I'm a horrible person. Oh my God, I need to change my whole personality. I'm so bad. I'm so awful. And he was like, why do you why do you go into this whole state of, oh my God, I'm an awful person. And he said it's a really common tra- trauma response from emotional abuse, be that like relationship, emotional abuse or like any other type. And um, if you're bullied at school. So yeah, keep an eye out for people that know how your anxiety or depression or like mental illness manifests and that could take advantage of it like if someone is sort of like an emotionally abusive person they will see that as a sign of weakness and they will be attracted to it that sort of trauma that you can have from someone that is being emotionally abusive to you can last quite a long time and you won't even know it's there like now i judge myself way harsher because of that um but yeah like i just try and have a fixation on treating myself with kindness now it really helps me that one of my best friends has ocd as well i always think okay well would you say this to to your friend no you wouldn't so why are you judging yourself like this yeah that's kind of you up to speed on my mental health journey hopefully that was helpful for some people um i thought that was a good way to start this podcast series off thank you for listening and if you want to keep up to date follow my instagram which is at live.com with OCD. Bye!